0: It's the Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories BS Conversation. That's when we get to hang out with folks in the rock and roll world and so excited that Chris Carter is uh, in the room. And man, I'll tell you, I think of myself as a radio guy and then I talk to somebody like you. And uh, you're, you're like a radio legend. You've been doing this for how long? What's the polite way to ask you how long you've been doing this?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess going on like 25 to 30 years in there. Somewhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's, that's not... I've that, been doing the show Breakfast with the Beatles for 22 years. So
0: Yeah, and this is a yeah. show with a bunch of heritage. I mean, I think most people probably have heard of this, but the idea of doing these these are you know these morning shows about the beatles and then of course this sort of flagship one was started in la and then you took it over and now you're doing it on sirius xm and you're celebrating what, what you're going to broadcast what 2080th episode uh yeah. later this year that's a crazy yeah, number to think about doing that many episodes of anything we've done a few hundred of this show sort
1: of world book of records for you know who's played the most beatles songs there's right. gotta be that's gotta someone. be you right Right, I you know we got to start that one. I got to look into it. I
0: I I think you should. I think you should do it. Well, so tell me a little bit about. I mean, we like to talk on this show about like rock and roll origin stories, right? So I'm always interested when I talk to somebody who spent their life talking about rock and roll with people and talking to two people who have made rock and roll. What got them into rock and roll? Like, do you remember the defining moment in your life where you were like, "This is for me"?
1: Rock and roll was for me. Yeah, I, I guess it would be listening to WABC radio. In yeah. New Jersey, which was the New York rock and roll station. And I guess yeah. it was incense and peppermints, or oh, yeah. perhaps I'm not your stepping stone. Yeah. One of those two songs were the first time I realized what I thought was cool—the sound of what right. you know, cool was. Yeah, um, and I never heard it before until that. And I and I guess those were the defining moments that really got me listening to the radio. And of course, back then. That was the only way we you heard music. You know, there was right. there was no real rock and roll on television. There was entertainment shows like Ed Sullivan, of course, you'd see a band, but that was a song, you know, once a week. But you know, radio was everything. And if you can believe it, AM radio was everything yeah. up until, you know, about 1970. Right. Um, you know, because every band that was cool and that was important. Had to have a single so you know whether you were the beatles or the rolling stones you had to put those singles out and they were usually the best songs from those groups you know in the case of the stones in the 60s that was definitely the case you know when you look at the stones in 65 and 66 and 67 their singles were their best songs yeah. you know unlike the beatles where all their songs were <laughs> you know? yeah so in 16 you know in 16 the summer of 69 which you know i vividly still remember because of the music I mean, if you take a look at the top 40 at any given month in 1960, in the summer of 69, it, it's incredible. I mean, you know, yeah. you got Honky Tonk Woman and, you know, Get Back by the Beatles and every song was good. Every song was a classic and they were all on AM radio. You know, yeah. and that was the place to go before FM was uh, really establishing itself, which is right about that same time, you know, 69.
0: Now, I, n- I know you traveled the path of being a musician yourself. And had some yeah. success there,
1: but did you always want to
0: be on the radio, or was that something that happened
1: by accident? I, think, I think you'll find most musicians, most you know, uh, guys and bands, if you will, um, always wanted to be in, want to be in radio, and that's evident because all the guys who were in rock and roll, Alice Cooper, Ronnie Wood, you can go down the line; they all have radio shows. You know, <laughs> they all have radio shows because they—that's why they got into music. You know. It's, <laughs> We're all kind of cut from the same cloth. Well, and it's, it's isn't
0: it really? Isn't it really also just the wanting to? be the guy in charge of what everybody's listening to like not not from a domineering standpoint but from a, i'm so excited about this i need you to hear this standpoint i think that's what drives from a us quality straight.
1: standpoint yeah you know, quality control know, it's like being a good cook you know <laughs> if you know a whole bunch of good recipes you want to prepare them for people because they yeah. might not know about them you yeah know? try my and cooking you spend your life reading books and listening to music 24 hours a day and reading liner notes and then looking up where this guy came from and knowing about producers and engineers and Etc. Yeah. You want to kind of share that with people, especially when you hear maybe what's on the radio and it's the repetitive same things over and over. You want to kind of share your knowledge with, with folks, you know? especially if you have good taste. A lot of people know a lot about music, but they don't necessarily have good taste. (laughs) So, you know, you have to have good taste on top of it. um, Right. Yeah. You mentioned,
0: you mentioned liner notes, which we talk about a lot on this show is just sort of a lost, beautiful thing that we love to reminisce about. And I got my, people will ask me, they're like, how do you know so much about rock and roll? Uh, and, and, you know, I studied it, right? Like I, I right. studied it and I studied it starting at a very young age from reading these for me, uh, some of the stuff that I had missed in decades before I was born. I, I, it was the time life collections, right? It was like going back right. and just cultivating all this stuff that people had put in a compendium and like being like, all right. You know, just like somebody would study cooking or study, you know, their favorite sport. I was holed up in my bedroom reading about uh, Sam and Dave and the controversy around, hold on, I'm coming. You know, that that was what I was learning at, at 11 and
1: 12. Yeah, well, you know, liner notes went with the concept of the big packaging LP. Yeah. And when we went to compact disc, you kind of lost all that that came along with all that space to fill. Record. Right. Yeah. Part of owning a record was what you did with it while it was playing. Yeah. You know, you put the thing on the turntable and then you sat with this. So you wanted to have, you know, information. Right. And I always thought that, you know, because I was always bummed out because when they switched over to compact discs, what happened to all the record stores was all the bins that they yeah. had made for the records. Yeah. Were all, they were all destroyed because they had to make these new bins for these long right. boxes. And I always, you know, proclaim what they should have just done was kept the album the same size <laughs> And put the CD inside. The, who cares about the size, right? You could have kept all yeah. the bins, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you got your, you know, you got your compact disc, digital, if you want. And you also could have made the vinyl with it and the CD, which is yeah. a lot of people do these days, you know? right? And then you wouldn't have had to change all the the bins. You could have kept the artwork big because they also had to change all the pressing plants. Think about right. it: all the mothers, all the artwork was all cut for those album sleeves, and then they had to start making these CDs. Kind of like overnight, almost, you know, yeah. and, it, and it wrecked everything. And now you're all back to vinyl.
0: And uh, yeah, well, and now vinyl's such a big business, right? It it it, yeah. it is. It is sort of this upper echelon of like, look, I can afford to go back to. Right, spinning I'm, so no, much.
1: I'm no fan of vinyl. You see, I'm a fan of real to real tapes. Okay? Oh, there you real go. Real audio files. <laughs> Listen to real to real tapes. Like, if you're gonna feel you like, uh, oh, I like pet sounds. I'm a big pet. Yeah, 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 fan. yeah. yeah, yeah. You get the Pet Sounds Real to reel tape. He's got Pet real Sounds real to reel Oh, okay. man. And what they would do is they would – Pet Sounds, for instance, or Abbey Road, pick an album. They would make a million Abbey Roads, right, on cassette and 8-track right. and vinyl because it was the Beatles. It was a million seller. But they only made 10,000 reel-to-reels, right? And when they made those 10,000 Abbey Road reel-to-reels, they made them from the master. So if you have the Abbey Road reel-to-reel 7.5 IPS and you A-B that against the compact disc of Abbey Road or anything, any vinyl, the reel-to-reel blows it away. So if you're really into sound, Get real to reels. Whoever your favorite, who's your favorite band of all time, Brian? Who's your
0: uh, so I, my, I say my favorite band is the Counting Crows. I, I love okay, the Counting Crows. So
1: pick a, an older band that you love from the seventies or sixties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, obviously. You like Led
0: Zeppelin? Sure, I love. I love the okay. Beatles. I love the Beatles. You I mean, here, Beatles. hearing Abbey Road would be you know,
1: fantastic. You start. That's a fun little hobby is to collect real to reels. Yeah, that's of, fun. You know your favorite albums because that's the the best way to hear them. So vinyl, vinyl uh, what, scratches.
0: What, what's your listening room like? Like if this is how you jam to music, what's it? What, what's the oh, setup? Well,
1: it's, in, it's incredible. They've done <laughs> TV specials on this room. You can't really see it. it uh, yeah. This is like a room is a museum. It's it's uh, this is the empty corner. You got uh, Later on, I'll show you.
0: Oh, that's amazing. They, so so I, yeah. here's a here's a question I have for you that I like to ask folks who have, have been around rock and roll for a long time you know there is the songs that you hear that that gets you excited about the music right and we've talked about that right but there's also this other element to it that i think happens where people hear they hear a story about a about a rock star or a rock band they hear about behavior that they can't comprehend right they hear some legend or some story about rock and roll that kind of builds the mythos do you remember the first one of those that you heard
1: the one i did a a book report on in the sixth grade was, you know, the story about Paul McCartney being dead yeah, course, for sure. Was, you know, that had clues and everything. Yeah. There was even a TV special about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, um, I mean, that may, that Sly, may be the uh, ultimate
0: one, right. That may be one of the most, the ultimate, Rock and roll, right? Story. But we, like,
1: I lived through that as a kid at that time. Like, when you actually, you're, it's one thing to hear about a story and over the years, like, sure, oh, yeah, yeah. God, Paul is dead. That was weird. But if you were around when it happened, it was like everybody would talk about it, and you know, they started to actually, you know, go through each record with the clues, and you know, it was actually it was a thing, you know, and it was so ridiculous that, you know, you still wondered for like a half a second, like, wait, is that true? <laughs> is that that? Well, does look different. They are different. <laughs> um, and then, you know, but even a split second, you thought about it.
0: Yeah. You know, oh, for sure.
1: really be true. For but sure. But at the time, again, living through it opposed to uh, hearing about it, you know, 10 years later or something. It's, it's right. funny when you live through things. Yeah. Because everybody's telling, you know, Johnny Carson will make a joke about it, you know, that night. Or, you know, every DJ will mention it after they play Get Back right. or something. Right, it, Paul sounds pretty good for being <laughs> dead. <laughs> yeah.
0: You've you've probably made that joke once or twice. I'm guessing,
1: yeah, you know, and the, the clues are so silly, but you know it's.
0: Yeah, that's that that is a that is a very good one that we've actually never talked about at length on this show but I think uh because it is it is so ubiquitous with the the general idea but it's it's sort of the perfect one. Some things we have talked about I mean you being a being the Beatles expert that we have talked about on the show of course we've talked about their time in India you know we've talked about their fights so with copyrights and um you know the who owns the catalog and and Michael Jackson owning the catalog for a while, and those sorts of things. Uh, what are some of your favorite Beatles stories? Is there one in particular that you know just over the years you never tire of telling? <laughs>
1: I have a go- I have some good Beatles stories. I can't tell. Um, <laughs> Come on, until until a couple of them pass away. Um, but <laughs> uh, there's there's a lot there's a lot of Beatles stories. Um, yeah, for sure. I guess I could. I guess no. I can't see. There's a couple that you I get nervous about because I'll tell you. You know why? Because every time you read quotes about people lately, they all yeah. come from podcasts. You, know, it's like, you always you know, you notice that's like this guy said that. Where was it? Oh, and some, he was on this podcast and he said that. yeah. Yep. I, I have a great George Harrison, Paul McCartney story, but I, I, can't, I can't, I can't. Listen to this. It. Listen to you teasing us. Oh man. I'll, I'll call, I swear to you, I'll come back and tell it. Okay. It, okay. Ten years. So,
0: <laughs> I mean, you bring up George Harrison, the quiet one, as as Murdoch yes, often of calls him the on the show. The coolest beetle, the coolest beetle for sure. And he also comes yeah. up. We've been talking recently, like he just comes up on every episode of the show because somebody has worked with him or done something with him. uh You know, it's like, oh yeah, this guy did this, 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 and this. Oh, and he was on All Things Must Pass. Like, you know, he just like right. the guy was so everybody wanted to hang out with him. He was so inclusive,
1: and he and he did well, he weird stuff. He was the one stuff. beetle that would hang out with you. He was like, yeah. you know, him. Him and Ringo to a lesser extent. You know, George was the kind of guy that would hang out with, you know, um, carpenters and plumbers yeah. and electricians. Yeah. You know and I mean? He, he liked, he was one of the guys, you know. Right. Um, I was making an album in my band Drama uh, at a place called Rumbo Recorders, which was owned by the captain from the captain and Tennille. And Tom <laughs> Petty would record, yes. the Heartbreakers used to record up there, and a whole bunch of people did. Anyway, we were making an album and Tom Petty was making one of his solo albums in the other studio at the same time. And during the session, they you know, they were like, George, George, George Harrison's here. George's in oh. the kitchen. So, of course, everybody wanders out to the kitchen. You know, Suddenly hungry, yeah. He's having a beer in the kitchen, right? And after, like, 20 minutes, everybody kind of starts peeling back, going to the studio, you know? And George is still there, and he's like, you know, starts shooting hoops with the guys, you know, like, <laughs> little engineer guys, like, <laughs> shooting hoops with George. And he's like... I was everybody gone in to want to play some basketball? He's just like that kind of a, you know, Paul would McCartney wouldn't be shoot, shooting hoops with the engineer. Yeah, know? George was a very, uh, you know, he was a really friendly guy. My, my connection to, to George was that I think I do. I, I've been known to have the world's largest, all things must pass collection. I have oh, like, really? more copies of all things must pass than any, anybody else I think in the world. And, uh, as a result of that, before I hosted Breakfast of the Beatles, Capitol Records was doing the 30th anniversary of All Things Must Pass yep. when they reissued it with the color cover, if you re- recall that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they called me to work on it because they said, We know you're such a, you know, all things must pass geek. We thought we you would help us with the promotion. So I designed a 45, blah, blah, blah. And anyway, as a result of that, I got to do the all Things Must Pass interview with George, which ended oh, up wow. being his last interview that he did. And I got a platinum record, which is right behind me. That's an All Things Must Pass platinum album. So my dream came true. As I, I, I got All Things Must Pass when I was 11. And from my, my first purchase in, in 1970 to today, I if I go to a record store, I'll buy a copy if it's something I don't yeah. have. So I have every configuration from all over the world. I have, you know... Copies of all things from like past, uh, like this, not in a box, like that. Wow. From different countries. Look at this all things from
0: past. Oh, all
1: wow. Things. They're just laying around. I just have them all. So, all like, up. how many
0: total do you think you have?
1: Over 100. Oh,
0: that's amazing.
1: Yeah. yeah. So so then I got to, you know, my friends are like, you, you like that album so much. You, like, wished your way, you know, like that positive thinking. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. You, stuff. yeah. Like I ended up to do the interview with him and, you know, I got a platinum record and I I love love. this,
0: that like this, this was not just a, a gig for you, right? Like I like like I feel like this is getting sort of lost uh in in music with along with some of the other things we've lost uh, you know that we've already talked about in terms of the physical product and that sort of thing. But this idea of people who are just so obsessed with it that they do sort of spend their whole life chasing the dragon. And you know, I like even when I was in radio 20 years ago, there was a lot of people who were who didn't really know the songs they were playing. They were there more for this, like building their own personality or trying to become some sort of celebrity or whatever. But it's like guys like you guys like us, we had gotten into this because it was an obsession with the music. And so this idea of you being, you buying all things must pass when you're 11 (laughs) and then sort of chasing that thrill over and over a hundred times and becoming, becoming so known for it that you get to hang out with the guy who created It's just uh, a beautiful story.
1: Well, that's what happens to these guys too in bands. Like, you know, um, I managed a band in Los Angeles. After my band Drama Rama broke up, I wasn't quite sure which direction to go. And so yeah. I made a movie uh, called The Mayor of the Sunset Strip about yeah. Rodney Bingenheimer, which right. was a big rock and roll well, movie. Well, because you,
0: you sort of started on radio with him, right?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, filling in for Rodney. And then I was managing bands, and I managed a band called The Wonderments who were a great Los Angeles yeah. pop band. And this is a perfect example. They, these guys are the biggest Beach Boys fanatics like ever, right? Like mm-hmm. You know they would, you know they would make you know here this is the smile they would make a CD of smile and yeah. put it, all the songs in the right order and do it like if smile came out this would have been. Long story short, Brian Wilson sees them playing and says, "If I had that band back in 1967, I would have taken Smile on the road." Long story short, the Wondermans become Brian Wilson's band. Unbelievable for the last twenty years.
0: Unbelievable. Right? They stopped being
1: the Wondermans and they took over. They beca- <laughs> and then they recorded Smile with Brian. Yeah. So the guy, the leader of the Wonderments, who's like me with the Beatles, right. he's at Brian's one day, and he's a very modest guy, Darian. If you ever see Brian Wilson, you know who Darian is. He's got the hair. So Darian's a modest guy, but he's the Beach Boys fanatic. And he's sitting with Brian in the rehearsing for show, and Brian says, you know, I've been thinking we should we should finish Smile, and, and you should help me. Would you do that? And Darian goes... Yeah, I'll, I'll help you finish, my Brian. Sure, he goes. <laughs> I'm gonna call Van Dyke. I'm gonna call Van Dyke Park right <laughs> there. So Darian calls me up and he goes, and he again, he's a very modest cat, and he's like, I just, get, Brian's calling Van Dyke. And, we're gonna finish Smile. I'll call you later. That's like, like you know, that's like John Lennon, and you know, I'm gonna get the Beatles back together, Chris, and I'm gonna call John, and we're gonna do it. You know, oh, that's so like this guy Darian started to write. You know, he he knows how Smile should go. These two guys, they forget, so he starts writing the charts out, and they end up making Smile again, and then taking it on the road. But that's another thing. That's a fan, yeah, you know, yeah. Like you're saying, he was just a Beach Boys fan, and he. And he chase the dragon right onto, right, right onto the you know home of Brian Wilson. Oh, and I have other friends on a lesser degree. I managed a band called Baby Lemonade, and they became love, Arthur Lee and love. They became love because they were the biggest yes. love fans ever. So then they'd be, you know, and that happens too, right? Like Journey fires the guy, and they get the guy from the Journey tribute. Right, or, or
0: Boston finds that guy who was singing, you know, the Home Depot yeah. guy or whatever. It's yeah. the
1: same thing. It's like, you know, yeah. that's a different... Thing. that's more of a talent thing that you sound like their guy but sure you know my other friend andrew sandoval right this guy is the biggest monkeys geek of all time but he didn't even grow up he, grew, he first watched the monkeys in 77 yeah but he he's the biggest monkeys fan now he's the manager of the monkeys he you know he produces all their videos he writes three books on them he's on tour with mickey i mean because he was a fan and then yeah
0: yeah, there's a so. weird acquiescence that has to happen. There's this weird sort of like you have to be the right level of right. I, I respect and understand and and, pr- and proud of what you've done and not creepy, right? So it's
1: it's right. like that. Well, line. I, this is what I always say. It's the two <laughs> things. It's the it, it, it it's geeks with talent. Okay? Yeah. So if you got it, you got your geeks right over here. Who there's lots of them. You got talented people over here. But if you are half and half, if you if you're a geek with talent, Peter Jackson. Yeah, right. Geekiest guy in the world. I mean, you know, he has little figurines. He's a yeah. geek. Yeah, Guillermo De Toro. Super yeah. talent. Sure. So then you combine them, so that guy can listen to fifty-eight, out. Uh, you know, sit through fifty-eight hours of Beetle footage right. and a hundred and fifty hours of audio. That's a geek, right? Yeah. That's the, most cool guys would be. Hey, man, I can't listen to that. He's a geek. He sits down <laughs> and he does the work, and then he puts the geek aside and it takes a talent part out and he and he directs a three part get back, you know, perfect thing, you know? And and that's that's the same thing. It's like, you know, geeks with talent, that's how you that's how you really that's quality. (laughs) You know, John Lennon was a geek. I mean John Lennon was a geek. Look at you wear red socks with hard shoes. Like, you know what I mean? Like George was cool. John was a geek. But John, the minute you sing and play guitar and you're a geek, you combine that geekness is all of a sudden coolness. Yeah. You know, you need the music. If you didn't have the music, you wouldn't you would think if you never heard John Lennon sing a song and you just had to take him as a person with his personality and without any, you know. In yeah. my life, no guitar, no song. You, you're not you're not looking at him with that perspective. You're just looking. You you'd view him completely different. Yeah, you know, that's
0: a really good like, point. I mean, that's you know. Talk, talk about a podcast. I mean, there you go. Geeks with talent. That's that. That's a, that's a whole <laughs> series of like, who are these people? And right. how, how, do, how do you that's do that? Right. How do you ride that
1: line? Bring those two yeah, things together. that would never be accepted, but then all of a sudden the coolest thing in the world. I mean, it goes down the line. You know, David Bowie, you look at these guys growing up and stuff. You know, they were always like little odd. And oh, yeah. then all of a sudden they're the coolest guy in the planet. You know, yeah. they go from complete opposite. Well,
0: and you see you also see the struggles, right? Because usually these people who do sort of like hit that that line, they're not necessarily right. prepared for it, right? Because they they probably right. were a little more cerebral and a little more insular and so all of a sudden they're expected to be the opposite.
1: Um and and it comes and, at a young age too. You got to also right. uh, I was talking to a couple of guys about this. No one ever really says this, but it's true if you think about it. It's got to be something like 90 maybe 92 93 percent of all your greatest rock and roll songs all written by guys and gals in their 20s
0: oh yeah
1: think about that for a minute sergeant pepper highway 61 born to run you pick your classics all 20 year old guys 20s in their 20s, all in their 20s. It's an interesting thing to think about. It's like there's this time in your life that you can do this, that you can fire on all cylinders and be creative, and di- and then look what look at you know what happens when you hit 30, 35. Few and far between classic albums, classic things yeah. done by guys in their 30s. There's some, you know, John Lennon Imagine, yeah. you know, he was 31, you know, that's a pretty good album, but that's it, you know, John. You know, everything was in your 20s. That's just an interesting concept to think about well why is that and a similar a similar concept Dylan didn't didn't write hardly anything after 30 that that you were you know maybe blood on the tracks you get a little there or something so I was in a conversation
0: I was in a conversation today with a group of friends this is and this is so it's so funny too because it's like guys like us this is what we talk about off the mic too Right. right so I was in a conversation today about people who made four like what i was calling goat records like greatest of all time records like who are who are the obviously the beatles did and so sure. we we got into this conversation about in a row it, well yeah so there's also the I conversation understand. of could you do it in a row
1: so they oh, did was that, it, was that was was that the, what you were I, I missed the very beginning was it was it, it was it was both it was have okay. they
0: have you done four in your career and how many did you do so like the stones have definitely done four but like they've put out so much stuff that it's like does that really count because it's sort of the percentages are off but then you have the beatles they definitely did four and they probably did four in a row and then so so one guy I said i don't know if i don't know it, does dylan have four and he said dylan has four in a row right but you're right they're all early and there's a certain right. point where you look i always
1: like to do the string like who can do five perfect you know five a plus albums in a row yeah. that's the standard who do you like, think is on
0: that list you- besides the beatles
1: I put Bowie. Well, Bowie is the only one I can compare to the Beatles in that. Okay, well, two That's two things fair. back up. The reason the Beatles are. The beatles and people always say well how did the beatles are the reason the way the beatles did it was they would they changed every two years and became an almost different band that's how the beatles did it that's a good they, point the Beatles were that's a mop good point. top r&b guys rock and rollers in 62 63 right <laughs> then they became folk guys completely different band They're little folk guys hey you know i don't want to spoil the party rubber soul michelle completely not mop top they were folk guys then they became a psychedelic band two years later. Completely different. Sergeant Pepper, part of Revolver, Magical Mystery Tour, costumes, mustaches, beard. Completely different band than the yeah. folk band, yeah. right? And then they the White Album, they became a rock and roll band. Stripped down, rock and roll, blues, rock and roll. No psychedelia at all, right? They, they kind of became another band, and then they ended their career as like a studio band with Abbey Road, right? Studio perfection, if you will. They, that's how they did it, and Bowie did the exact same thing, Bowie. that's that's a great point. Completely changed every two years. You know, Ziggy Stardust to young Americans is like, what? (laughs) It's like, that was the opposite. Anybody who liked Ziggy Stardust hated R and B. It was just, they did. And then he did that. And then he did station. Then he did low. And then he did heroes. And then, you know, Exact same thing.
0: So it's interesting that you say that because the next question I was going to ask is, do you think we, you know, as a society, as music listeners will even allow folks to do that? But I immediately thought of somebody who had dominates the world right now who has done this. And that's Taylor Swift. She's changing her career every couple of years.
1: Yeah, no. She's a. You have to have the attention of the public to pull it off. In other words, you have to be yeah. big enough and have enough people watching you to pull it off. Otherwise, no one notices what you're doing. Right, 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 right. Yeah. It might be changing, but no one notices. Sure. Like, oh, did you change? Yeah, so, but- yeah. But I've, I've had four different bands in the
0: last four years. Right. I didn't know she has got
1: the pub. Anything she does now, I heard she just got traded to the Jets, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, but <laughs> that's good. Uh, yeah, no, she's she she does that. Um, same kind of thing but again she has the year but, but what's really sad though is that there's no rock and roll bands anymore that's what's sad you know it's like if you rock and roll i hate to say and i know there are rock bands out there and i know you know U two is at the sphere and everything there's still rock and roll but overall like i i have the feeling that that rock is kind of you know sung its last song and once the once everybody goes which is sadly going to be in the next 10 years mick keith right right paul ringo you know pete townsend roger they're all in 10 years they're all going to be gone and that's when you're going to really notice and see if it's going to last or if it's just going to completely disappear after that because they're still promoting it they still keep it going paul's still out there with the machine and you know the who are you know roger waters the there are stones, you know, hackney diamonds, they're still they're still revving it all up. But when they're all gone and there's no one there left to support their, you know, because 'cause they're gone. Yeah. I, I, I'm curious of how I'm curious of how long the rock thing will, will
0: last. It's, it's a really good question.
1: And, oh, every look at every city now and look and they only have one rock station usually in every city now where well, there used to be three.
0: We we were talking my wife and I were talking about this the other day cuz I was asking her about a couple of bands she follows and, and what she thought of their new records and she said Let's they don't, the era. Oh, oh, you're oh, fine. They don't they don't sound like rock bands anymore. And I thought I said you know that's sort of the thing like most of these bands even bands that maybe came up that way have are, right. are experimenting and introducing and you know you want bands to evolve and you want bands to play with stuff I mean, just like the great examples you gave bowie the beatles they were they were willing to try these different things but at the core of it they were able to bring it back to this con- this but look consistent how long image this,
1: this genre has lasted that no one thought you know basically started in you know let's call it 56 55 whatever 57 yeah you know it's still going no one thought it would be low l- l- this so, long i mean just just I yesterday play songs right i play songs every day that are 50 to 60 years old right yeah yeah okay I always use this analogy. Say you were in 1969, you're driving a Woodstock, right? 69, you're driving a Woodstock, you're a bunch of hippies in the car, right? If someone said, hey, turn on that station, they play music from 1909. It's great. (laughs) None of the kids in the car going to Woodstock would go, 1909, man, what do you mean, man? That's That's what I do. I play 60-year-old music to people every day. And it's like, you know, Love Me Do is 60 years old. And, you know, I want to hold your hand next year's, that's like, well, also 60, but, you know, next year is the 60th anniversary of the Ed Sullivan 60 years old. And that music is still kind of relevant. And, you know, if you hear a Beatles song, you don't turn it off in horror because it's 60 years old. Yeah. Whereas in 1969, if you heard a 1909 song, <laughs> come on, you'd be like, oh, that's, just... turn that off. <laughs> he would never listen to it for a uh, second. Yeah. Crazy. That, that's, so
0: that's that's weird. really funny. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> that's and, that's it, weird. Th- this point you make about nobody creating it realized that it was gonna happen. Like, I I had never thought about that until yesterday. An older book of Joel, Joel Selvin's a friend of the show who's been on wrote this book about Burt Burns. And right. p- part of the whole premise he's trying to explain in the introduction to this book is, is these guys were just churning. Out these things that they thought were disposable products at this certain period at the beginning of rock and roll they didn't think peace right. of my heart
1: and it really was though it was disposable then right you know, when they were drill building guys when they yeah. were, it was it was they were right about it looking back you know I mean that's almost what what you have to call it they were they were churning them out and they but didn't in, the that, course, in the midst they of that
0: in the midst of that Burt Burns writes twist and shout and peace <laughs> of my heart and hang on Sloopy right. Three of the most enduring... Now, of course, he wrote tons of other stuff that didn't endure. Sure. But he wrote three of the most enduring songs of all time that, to your point, the kids going, you know quote unquote, going to Woodstock now are, you know, they'll listen to those songs and it's, right. and, and they'll reinvent those songs and they'll play with those songs and make them anew new and cover those songs. And it, it, it is, it's fascinating. It's a fascinating sort of thought exercise. And, about And, this and the accent. fact
1: that it lasted this long is really incredible. There's bebop, there's, you know, beatnik, there's jazz, whatever genre, rock and roll has outlasted everything 10 times over. So, you know, to say, Oh, it's dead and everything. Like I was just saying, you know, we've been saying that for 25 yeah. years, Yeah, yeah, yeah. but in, in essence, it's really not because if you take a look, you know, the pretenders are on tour, you know, AC/DC yes. play with Metallica. It's the spirit. And I guess the, uh, the fact that it's not the dominating force in music, it's now, it's now a, it's a niche thing. It's just like jazz. It's like right. rock and roll, oh, right. rock and roll. It's like when you go to your eye to, you know, the Apple store, you know, <laughs> is it, what do you like rock? You know, you got <laughs> you got four hundred categories there. You know, right. I mean, there's you know Latin funk. There's you know speed metal from Ireland. You know, I mean, there's every there's there's two. So rock is just like a, a thing now. You know, it's just that's a, a box you check. You know,
0: yeah, it's it's but, commodified. It's you know, but but they, it will go through some sort of of rethinking or reemerging.
1: Like I just think you know, yeah, I mean, I. It's hard to think of the last thing in rock. I I guess the White Stripes were the last thing that was kind of exciting and new. Like, oh, a guitarist and a drummer. That's cool. Like, we haven't thought of that. And the guy's really cool and he's clever and he's got good hooks. You know, and he was different. And They used two colors. This is neat. You know, you're kind of running out of things to do with two guitars, bass, and drums. It's not anybody's fault. It's just how much can you do with two guitars, bass, and drums that hasn't been done I find half the bands you might attest to this. Half the bands you do like that are new. You like because they remind exactly. you of band that Well, you like. and, and, and then, so this brings me back. they to- like the Kings, and they're like Hoopal, right. so right. I like them. Right, you know, it's like I like bands that because you know you're all, you're younger, so you know you like bands that sound like you know Our Lady of Peace, whatever. You know, yeah. I mean, you yeah. you like bands, and you like a band that sounds like them. You know, yeah, sure. To, Somebody just coming up with a new sound. Well, hard to do that
0: now. No, that's that's totally true, and that made me think. You said something earlier about, um, you know, bands and the people falling in love with a certain type of music and sort of chasing that music or whatever. And when and people making stuff when they were in their twenties. Well, there's also sort of this popular school of thought that you never love music the the way you do in in those teenage years, right? Like when you're somewhere between whatever that is, right? Like you sort of I already- say the,
1: it's the wonder years. It's yeah, it's whatever you liked when you were 11, 12, 13 and 14 before you drive, before you really start dating when really all you have is the it's you and the music. It's you and the music. You don't you're right. not really you're not old enough to be out there yet in the world. It's just kind of like you're growing up and this is new to you. Like 12, 11, 12, 13, 14 Everything is like, and if you're in, a lot of kids aren't into music that time, but if you're buying records then, if you're a kid buying records at 11, 12, and 13 and serious about, you know, because you got no life, so all you got is the records, you know, you're not driving, you have a girlfriend, you will love that music till you die. That, yeah, like whatever age you, whatever you liked when you were thirteen, you love that to this day. That is, I, I
0: already said the County Crows. I said the County right? Crows. They're uh, my favorite record of all time by the hey, County you, Crows. Came out when they, I was thirteen years you, old. When you got that first I was, I was, I was thirteen. Your your theory See? holds up, yeah.
1: Exactly. So I was like Alice Cooper. Killer and School's Out, right? Hell yeah. T-Rex, Electric Warrior. Hell yeah. I can name every album I got. That, that, they're still my favorite. I'm surrounded yeah. by them. And that's the whole chasing. It's not that you love the music. And this is another thing about your favorite song and why you like the song. Do you like the song because you like the song? Or do you like the song because the memory yeah. that accompanies that song is what you love? The combination, the girl you were in love with, or whoever you were in love with, or the party you were at, yep. or whatever that you heard that song. When you hear that song, your mind goes back to that. That's why you love that song, you know? It's like somewhere in your brain, your brain knows your favorite song. You might not know it. You might try to think. Oh, my favorite let me think of my favorite Black Crows song. Let me think. Is it on, <laughs> uh, is it, but your brain already knows it. Like there is a favorite Black Crow oh, song, yeah. but you don't know it. That's what's funny. Yeah, about your brain. Well, it's funny they that... try to figure it out. But I always want to see how that works. Like, what is my favorite Beatles? song? Well, you, people always ask me. You said Black crows.
0: You said Black crows. So I just saw the Black crows for the first time in a long time, just a couple weeks ago, and I had I'm not as big into the Black Rose, but I've paid attention to them throughout their history, obviously, and right. so near the end of the set, they start playing Remedy, and I was like, and it, it was like my brain knew my favorite song. I was like, I didn't even, I don't even remember, I forgot I knew this song, and this right, is the, right. this so is the greatest song, song I've you know, ever heard. I heard.
1: a song in a movie, like yeah. some song, like I was watching some, this is 40 or something, and mm-hmm. they played like Driver 8 by R.E.M., and I was like, yeah. oh yeah, because I remember where, where I where were. Where you were. It was like on the road with Drama and we were in Arizona, it's like, oh yeah, I like that. And I don't know if I like driver A or I like the memory of driver A. Well, I, mean, I I say all
0: the time that my brain is wired to remember everything by music. Like there's a lot of stuff where I can tell, I, I, I can only tell you about a specific memory because I, there was a song playing and I'm like, oh yeah, that's the memory that's associated. It's like, it's almost like backwards wired where I can remember
1: where you are with like song like if some, if you were driving with your parents somewhere, like, can you remember what you were listening to? Oh yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Like, yeah. and, and I think people do this, you know, we, we compared earlier, we compared music to food, right? About being a chef or being a DJ or, be, you know, right. showing people your favorite right. music. I mean, like, I have members in my immediate family who, who seem to be that way with food. Like, I'll be like, hey, remember that time we did this thing? And, and my daughter will be like, oh, is that the time we stopped at that one burger place? And I had that right. thing yeah. with the green onions. Yeah, right, and I'm like, right. what? What are you talking? About? I don't remember what we ate they that day. Food, right. right. But I can tell you what right. we listened to on the way to that diner, you know? so right. it, I know. It, it's funny. Yeah.
1: My mother will say, we went, remember we went to Florida? And I go yeah we were the guess who hand me down world was on like, like I remember that song it was like that's all I remember, like and you don't remember a hundred songs, you just remember like one or two, yeah. you know, but you, yeah, you remember, them.
0: and it's, it's crazy. and and crazy. to your point, it's like, why are those the ones that stick in your brain right like why driver eight right and, and because you probably listened to three other songs
1: in that hour right, it's just yeah, it evokes you know it sparks, but not with everybody see if you're you're a music person, so. You'll, you'll remember the music oh, yeah. where somebody else could be with you and they won't they remember, won't remember it at you all. you remember it because you're, you're wired that way. Like yeah. you're just, you know, your attention will perk whether you know why or not, but yep. it just, you know, it does. And when that's,
0: you, that's the magic you. of this business and why – yeah. We, we dip our hands in it and we chase it and we talk about it and we record talking about it and we share it with people. And, we, you know, it's, that's, that's what it's well, about. there's
1: nothing like music. There's no other format, not movies, you know, nothing that gives you a feeling that from the right music at the right time or the wrong music at the right time, you know? And I mean, they figured that out from day one with movies, you know, the minute, you know, you don't even realize what's going, you know, they've been doing that in Hollywood forever. Here comes a scary scene. They give you music to back it up. But in life, you know, it's the same thing. And, you know, if it means something to you, it, it can really be like your whole world, you know, is revolves around it. It's a, it's a weird thing. But nothing gives you the same feeling. When a song comes on that means something to you, you'll never get that feeling, that yeah. Overall body, you know, no drug, no liquor, nothing can really affect you that way. You know, when when the Trogs Love Is All Around comes out, like I immediately go back to this picnic in 1967 at the church, and it was sun, it was a hot August day, and this beautiful girl I liked. Like my mind, the minute that song starts, like I, my mind goes back to it. I have no control over yeah. it, and I love it. It's like I love yeah. that song. I don't know if I love that song, but I love the feeling I get when from that song. Out. Like a better way to describe it. You yeah. Know? You don't even know yeah. if you love the song. You the, love what the song does to you. Right. The, you know?
0: the bad version of that is I don't know if you've ever uh, seen or read uh, Silver Linings Playbook, the Matthew Quick novel that got turned into a movie with Bradley Cooper. Uh, but I, I
1: had no. There, I've there, seen it, but
0: the, I haven't read it. There's a, it, in the movie, I believe this song is a Stevie Wonder song. That triggers him basically to relive this trauma. And so, whenever he, right. when that song comes on in the book, though, it's a Kenny G song. Oh. <laughs> they, they changed they, it for the movie. They changed it to- <laughs> Which feels a little different. Feels unfair to Stevie, in my opinion. <laughs> Kenny G wouldn't have it
1: in the movie. He's going to sue. It's like uh. you can't have it in there.
0: That's, That's great. Money. So, 60th anniversary of Beatlemania in the US. This is big stuff for for yeah, you guys. next year you
1: get it's going to be everywhere. The Ed Sullivan Beatles come to America. Everything 1964 is going to be It's going to be
0: a big year for you. Do you what are what are the plans? You're going to be on on you know, every other show? Did I get you early?
1: <laughs> yeah, probably, you know. <laughs> it's, uh, Chris, tell us about the Ed Sullivan show. Well, a rock band started in every town on the Monday yeah. after the Ed
0: Sullivan yeah, show. Yeah, absolutely. You
1: know, it was uh, something. I didn't see the Ed Sullivan show. I was just.
0: i so say you were a little was, young, right? Was,
1: yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I could lie to everybody and say it changed my life. But I, <laughs> man, you know, <laughs> let it be changed my life. That was yeah. the movie. I, I saw that in the movie theater when I was 11 by myself. And that was my Ed Sullivan show. Wow. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Uh, was let it be oh. that's my favorite year of the beatles everybody goes chris what's your favorite year of the beatles 1970 the year they broke up because do you realize in 1970 john lennon paul mccartney george harrison ringo star released more music than any other year of their careers because in one year you got Let It Be, released by the Beatles. You got the Let It Be single, the Long and Winding Road single, the Plastic Ono band album, All Things Must Pass. Ringo released two albums, of Blues and Sentimental Journey. Paul McCartney released the McCartney album. John Lennon released Instant Karma single. All that stuff came out in one year. There were 14 records by the Wow. So that was like a good year. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's my favorite. Because you got more songs from every Beatles. Yeah, that's a so normally I only got two George Harrison songs a year. On you know George, give you two songs on the album, but then you got three albums by George: whole McCartney album, Let It Be album. It's a good year.
0: That's that's a good answer to that question. That, that's spoken like a guy who's been talking about the Beatles for a long time. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I know. Right
1: then I could just reel those off. It's so crazy.
0: I know. <laughs> the only other band I could think of where I got fascinated a few years ago that there was a—it's uh, not quite the same, but there was a period of Genesis where all of like all of them in the early '80s or almost all of them had different projects on the charts. So you had Phil, right. Peter, and uh, Mike all had had stuff out, and Genesis right. was also had several songs out. So, but but uh, that doesn't happen very often.
1: No. No, get those Kiss solo albums. <laughs> uh,
0: Murdoch Murdoch is is crying. So that's the other band he loves to talk about. He loves to talk about the Beatles and he loves to talk about Kiss. And uh, and we've covered them both. So I, I feel like we've officially we've officially done our business, dude. Thank you so much for hanging out. This is awesome. It was so nice My to pleasure. meet you. And it's there is My just pleasure. something as I think we have was spent forty minutes illustrating. There's something about. Uh, you know, we're cut from the same cloth. You know, if you, if you, if you feel this way about music and you find somebody else who feels this way about music, it's a, uh, it's a pretty easy conversation. And I'm thrilled that you, you had it with us.
1: Well, I'll come back when uh, I can tell you a couple of Beatles stories. Oh, I can't tell you now. Okay? going to hold you to that, man. You better watch <laughs> right. out.
0: We'll talk. We'll talk right. again soon. Thanks so much, Chris. Take care.